This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. I'm Gavin Spittle of The Fan and joined, as always, by two-time Stanley Cup champion, Craig Ludwig. Craig, how are you, my friend? I'm in a really good mood today. I like that. Yeah. Isn't this the last one for seven months or six months or something like that? I mean, we can well, keep going if you want. But What? <laughs> and talk about what's going on over at the fan or what? <laughs> we talk about our lifestyles, hanging out like you and I on a Friday night. Oh, man, it was so great. Yeah, which none of that is true. Well, one I mean, of it us can happen. A, one we of can make it happen this year. Yeah, one has a life, one doesn't. Well, which one? We'll 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 let the listeners decide. <laughs> could be a, that could be a write-in. Let, let's <laughs> let's give them a, a a coupon if they win that one. You will. I'm going to put you on the spot. You will agree to meet me for dinner as a celebration for a great year of podcast. Yeah, the only problem is is when you say dinner, it it scares me. Like what? What you consider a dinner? I mean, we'll go. We'll go to a nice place. Well, I mean, wherever okay. you want. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. It's on. So the fan has a budget. It's on me, buddy. Oh, yeah. I know how you guys work. <laughs> You've totally seen me lift my wallet out several times. I have. And I and it's it was shocking to see what actually fell out of it. <laughs> Lint, <laughs> dust, dust. There, there we go. There, there we go. <laughs> well, I guess if you're in a good mood because it's the end, at least you're in a good mood, and wanted to do this podcast to talk about the potential moving forward of coaching candidates. First, I want to say. Um, what a career for Rick Bonus! if, in fact, his career has ended. Um, absolutely amazing how many games coached as both an assistant and a head coach. A tremendous career. And uh, if retirement is in his future, which it looks like he is with a new grandkid, um, all the more power to him. It's been a heck of a career. Yeah, I, I think uh... – the biggest thing for, for Rick bonus in, in my eyes is how, you know, and again, he he's, this isn't the first time he's been a head coach, but he, you know, predominantly he's been an assistant coach. And, and I think wherever he has stopped, you will get a glowing review from the head coach, the GMs uh, of his history of being a guy on the bench, mainly serving to the head guy. And, and I, I've said this before, and I just think that assistant coaches are so important, integral to, to the, to the head guy. And, you know, your role becomes the buffer between the head guy and the players. And, and you have to have a completely different demeanor, especially, you know, and again, I, I don't, 
I'm not coaching in today's day. Well, I am, I guess, in a way with our 18. So I've always kind of stayed in, in touch with the, you know, the younger crop that's coming along and there's just different ways that you handle players now. And I think, uh, to Rick's credit, he's found that, that way to evolve from, from the players, uh, before I played to when I played to, you know, what we, what the type of player is today, what the type, what type of player, the people they are today, you know, it's, it's, they're way smarter than we were. They're way more skilled than, than we were. Um, but they have a different demeanor and they're more intelligent. Um, and so you, you find different ways to speak to them. And I think that's to, to Rick's credit. He's always been able to do that on the downside. I always feel bad and I don't know why they all do it. Um, but I always feel bad for these assistant coaches that when teams run into, when they make moves in the middle of the season, it's usually not bringing in a new head coach from someplace else. It's usually the assistant that gets elevated, you know, and, and, and again, it's, it's their choice. They, the GMs go to them and say, listen, you know, we're going to make a coaching change. And would you be willing to step into this spot? Well, those guys are on a way shorter leash than an assistant coach. And so in some ways, you know, going in that, you know, if you only got a year or two left on your deal and there's a new GM that comes in or the current GM has got a year or two left and he wants to hire a new coach when the season's over, a lot of times, well, I would say majority of times, that guy doesn't come back. That guy that went from the assistant to the head coach because you know, the head guys, the, the new coaches, they want to bring in their own staff. So you're kind of, you know, snipping your own balls off at a time. You yeah. know, you're kind of saying, okay, well, I'm done now. Now I got to look, you know, whether this lasts for, for six months or, or, or a year, um, it's over for me. And that's reality, I guess. But they all know that going in. That's the tough part for me. I wish there was a way that they could stay on. But again, that that's up to the, the general manager and the head coach, the new head coach. And and, and that's definitely part of the hiring process. When they want to bring in a new guy, he's going to bring in his own staff. So um, anyway, uh, but he has done a hell of a job as a coach and uh, he's been around a long time. Um, I believe, isn't he the guy that's got the most games behind the bench? Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's seen it all and he's been able to evolve all the way along. So if, if this is it for Rick, um, you know, congratulations on an incredible career and all the players that he's touched and, and been involved in their lives. And I don't mean just on the ice. I mean, off the ice, because that's the kind of guy he is. And I have never heard one negative thing about him from any of the people that he's ever worked with. So uh, good job on Rick. And now he can drive his Corvettes around and not have to worry about being up at 5 a.m. and making sure you're there an hour and a half before the head coach gets there yeah. and all the details and things that they got to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm real happy for him. And, you know, you kind of have to take yourself out of the frustration of the stars and just look at the the big picture. And you don't stay in this league for as long as you do um, without, you know, the reputation that he has. And I think that's so great what you said about never hearing a bad thing. That said, we move forward. And... Before we get into the individual candidates and some of the people I would like to see Jim Nill hire, we also have a situation, Craig, where the general manager has just one year left on his contract. So it's 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 kind of interesting. Um, 
I'll tell you my style that I'd like to see here in Dallas, and you let me know your style. I think we have some players that are under big contracts like Sagan and Ben. Um, and, you know, we're at the point where there are those young guns with Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski's up there in age. You know, it's a real interesting time for Dallas Stars hockey. I think the physicality needs to be more, and the consistency of the physicality um, needs to be added. And we need to stop this two-year roller coaster, actually three-year roller coaster ride of which Stars team is going to show up. Um, and that's why I'm looking at a veteran coach that can do multiple things. I'm not looking for an offensive coach. I'm not looking for a defensive coach. Craig, at this point, I just want a good coach because I think a good coach will bring in good assistance and cover those bases. So I'm not looking in the direction of offense or defense. I'm just looking in the face of a guy that will produce a clear direction and will provide more consistency on this team. Well, so here's my philosophy when a coach comes in. And and I've said this before, is that you're coming into a team, like you, you mentioned a couple guys. I mean, Robertson, Hintz, uh, I don't know what the situation is with Nemesnikov, but is Raffle going to be back? Is Foxa going to continue to be here? Kiwi Ranta, Studenik or Studenich or Delandria sounds like he's going to get a shot. Peterson's going to get a shot. So, you know, and you talk about Jamie, you talk about Tyler, guys like that. So now you have that, you know, there's different variations of age and career lengths and things like that. So what is the philosophy of your organization? Are you going to play like the Florida Panthers? That didn't work out well. Are you going to play a little bit more like the Avs that do have a little bit more, you know, they went out and, and added some depth defenseman wise. They brought in a Manson, they brought in a Taves, you know, they brought some guys in that have some meat back there mm-hmm. and can play a little bit more of a two star or a two way game. In my opinion, Florida, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's obviously what happened to Florida and what Tampa did to them. You know, again, the, the ideal team is Tampa Bay. We know that, Yep, but but they have positions filled. They have a goalie. They have a defenseman. They have a couple superstars up front. So they've and then they complement those players with other players. So I guess where I'm getting at is a coach comes in, and you don't. I don't think you can come in and say, "Here's the way I'm going to coach. I'm going to play like Florida, or I'm going to play like Tampa, or I'm going to play like St. Louis." or I'm going to play like Calgary, which all have different styles. There's different elements to their teams. And they're, you know, and and you see the way that Daryl wants to coach his his team in Calgary. And you see how Edmonton is handling that. Although Edmonton has taken away the middle of the ice. And so they've got a new coach that came in there. Woodcroft has given them a little bit more responsibility through the neutral zone, and they don't have as much speed coming up through the neutral zone. What I'm getting at is that, you coach the kind of players that you have to dictate a system. I'm going to be, let's just use Ken Hitchcock where we kind of lock things down. We had guys that bought in, right? And so we're going to play this kind of style. Well, then I need those kind of players that kind of play that kind of style. So if you're going to get an offensive team, like, like Florida is, they had the most goals scored, you know, in the NHL this year, they were, they were 
high octane, and they came back like five or six times from being down by three goals or more, which is unheard of. Yeah. Now that hasn't paid off for them in the playoffs. It's a different game in the playoffs. So you have to be able to have that playoff style. I'm a believer that when you go into the playoffs, you should have played 82 games the way that you believe you're going to win in the playoffs. You do, It's not a light switch. You're not going to play this up-tempo. We're going to score six goals a game, but we're going to give up four goals a game. And then we're going to change with 10 games to go in the regular season and try to become a defensive team. Right. So, you know, if you've got a bunch of young kids and you're tilted to um, scoring goals, which obviously Dallas wasn't this year, there was one line that scored, you have to bring a coach in that can coach what to his strengths and you have to feed him to his strengths with players. So, which becomes the conundrum that you just got done bringing it up the general manager for the Dallas stars has one year left. Right. So now does Tom Gillardi allow him to go out and sign certain guys to certain contracts, whether it's Robertson hints, you know, whoever it is, they brought in Joe, they got Joe on a good deal for one more year, which I think is awesome because he needs to work with Henson and Robertson mm-hmm. for another year. So they can find the guy that can step into his place, which I don't know if you can do that, especially everything that he does. It's gotta be a veteran kind of guy. So you know, now, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go get a coach. Jim Nell, I'm going to allow you to bring in a coach. And that coach is going to be have a contract for somewhere probably between three and five years. Well, if Jim Nill doesn't bring in the right people and Tom Gillardy doesn't re-sign Jim Nill or give him an extension coming up and he's that lame duck general manager, well, when a new GM comes, if a new GM comes in, they usually get a coach or two. Yep. So does that mean... I don't, this GM doesn't like the coach that Jim Neal hired because I want my own guy. So now you got to pay that guy that you're going to fire for a couple of years and bring in a new guy and pay and give him a contract for three or four years. So I, this is a tough spot, I think, for, for ownership. And do they believe what Jim has put together and what Rick has done and, and all the other coaches under Jim have done? And Jim's the right guy to move forward. That it to me, it's a tough spot. And then, are you going to allow? Does do they agree? Maybe Tom Gillardi wants John Klingberg back. We got to find a way to get Klingberg. And maybe Jim Neal doesn't want to do that. So I think they've got to have something. To me, the first thing that's got to happen is you got to find out the future of your general manager before you bring in a coach. I, I that's what I'd be yep. looking into. Have to. Th- yeah, there's and, no. There, I mean, and I agree with your style. I mean, I. You, how do we win in the playoffs? And I can go back to Mr. Hicks when when we were, you know, we were getting close. We'd get to the second, third round, we'd lose um, before before the Stanley Cup came around. And what what Mr. Hicks wanted to know was what's gonna what's gonna get us past the Detroit Red Wings? What's gonna get us past Colorado? The thing was is we could we could never beat Detroit and we could beat Colorado. Detroit couldn't beat Colorado, but they could beat us, Dallas. And so, but the, the conversation was, what's going to get us past Detroit Red Wings? Well, it ultimately was Brett Hull. Okay. <laughs> they agree on that. They bring in Hully and then, you know, it's history. Although we didn't even have to play Detroit that year because Colorado took care of them. So then, you know, things, things just kind of fell into place for us. So again, it, to me, it goes back to what's your menu? You know, what do you have on the menu and how do you think you're going to create a five-star dinner in, you know, in in April and May? 
So they're kind of, it's kind of in the middle of everything here because you've got some young guys coming in. You're not, well, you look at Detroit Red Wings. They're getting ready to take the next step. It wouldn't surprise me if Eisenman's going to go out and add a couple players yep. at, that he can now, he's got young players. The, the, the Robertson, the Hints, uh, I'm not going to put Kibi Ronta, but besides those two guys, who else is ready to, to take a bigger bite right now? Those two guys definitely are. So <clears throat> are you going to go in, like, like Detroit, I say, they, they've, got, they've had some young players that have been there now for two, three, four years that I believe that if you start go out and trade a couple picks, trade a couple players, whatever, and inject uh, a couple big name players, you know, that, that, and you spend some money. I mean, I, again, I don't know if it's Johnny Goudreau or something like that, but I'm just saying there's guys out there that are in that 27, 28 year range that they could inject into that team and they could be, they could probably turn him into a playoff team. Yeah. You know, if they, if he makes and, and is able to get the right guys where Dallas is at right now, you know, I had felt, I thought that the year that they went to the finals, that that was the end of a, a two or three year window for them as far as winning the cup. And I didn't even, I didn't believe that they were going to get to the, to the finals that year. And they did good on them. Good on, you know, bonus and all that other stuff. So, but I mean, is this a team like Jamie and Tyler aren't going to get any faster over the summer, right? We know that, right. But Robertson and Hints are going to get better. I would, you know, are they going to, do they believe in Kiwi Ranta? Do they believe in Peterson? Is Nemesnikov going to be back? You know, and, and some of the young kids that they're going to give a shot to, are they going to be able to step in and take this team to where it's going to compete for the Stanley Cup? Like a lot of that has to do with coaching. I think that's why some, some of these organizations have brought in some coaches, you know, that, that you're like, well, you know, he hasn't, doesn't have a lot under his belt, um, but is it like a placeholder? And, you know, I go back to the guy that was with the Rangers, you know, so they brought him in. The team was a, a young team. He was there for what, two, three years and then let him go. Yep. And then they bring in Gerard Gallant, a veteran coach that's gone here, been here, done that, taking a couple teams to the finals. And now look where the Rangers are. They're tied to two, two with a team that everybody expects to be in, or a possibility in Carolina being in the finals. I mean, is it something like that, that ownership and management is going to look to do? So I don't know. I, I'm more about, man, I, I, I'll tell you, I would even, I love Jim Montgomery and I know that he was let go from here yep. and, and Monty knows why he was let go and he agreed with the whole thing, but he's on the bench in St. Louis right now. You know, I believe in second chances. Could Monty be, could Monty at some point come back here? And his name is being mentioned in coaching circles for other teams. Well, there you go. Now, again, are they going to say, well, you know, they had to let him go from here. Well, let's just look at what he did when he was here and he was going through, he had his own little demons or whatever, whatever the whole issue was and good on Doug Armstrong that, that brought in Monty because he knows Dallas, he knows Jim Neal. And I, I, I would be willing to bet that the first con conversation that, that Doug Armstrong had was with Jim Neal. And, and I think Jim Neal did what he had to do, what was right to do, but said, listen, this guy's a good coach. He's a good guy. We've all stepped over to the wrong side of the tracks. He deserves a chance, another chance. And maybe it couldn't be here at the time, but can you bring a guy like that back? I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the right, wrong thing to do. I have no idea. 
But I mean, let's be honest. Rick Tockett's out there. Paul Maurice is yep. out there. Barry Trotz is out there. Yep. Pete DeBoer is out there. New name, Mark Savard, longtime NHLer, yep. now coaching in the Western Hockey League. Knows how to deal with kids. Very smart. Yeah. And Monty. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I obviously, <laughs> obviously, they didn't have a lot, a lot of confidence in the guys that were on the bench with Rick Bonus because within, you know, the drop of a hat, those guys were all gone. Um, when Bones decided to, you know, hang, hang it up. So there was obviously nobody in that trio that they felt could take the head coaching job over. So it's a clean slate here in Dallas. And, yep. and again, clean slate, but unfortunately your general manager has one year left. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they have to decide on that first. And if they do decide that Jim Nill is the guy, then they move toward coaching circles. Here's my thing about trots, Craig. Nashville, Washington, New York, they all had success. And I know yep. that's a simplistic way to look at it. But you can't say Barry Trotz was a defensive coach like people are saying out there when he won a cup with the Washington Capitals and had a guy named Ovechkin. You know, I mean, that's Barry Trotz to me is one of those guys that adjusts to the style. So I just look at these guys like a Gerard Gallant, and that's why I wanted Gerard Gallant here because everywhere he has gone, there's a pattern of success. Whether it's long-tenured or not remains to be seen, but there is a pattern of success, and I think that's why they went to Hitchcock a few years ago because there was a pattern of success. I like guys with patterns of success. I don't think at this point right now that this team can take one of those crazy chances and bring in one of those like coaches to hope that they can be a good head coach. They better be sure it's a good coach because you're dealing with an interesting mix. It's not like you have, like you said, an abundance of kids. You know, you have some veterans that you got to take care of. And the other thing from a Jim Nill perspective, sorry to bounce around, but you got a guy like Dennis Gurionov, who's a restricted free agent. You need to make that decision on him this year. And here's why that's $2 million. And for whatever everyone says, I think Raddick Fox is a good player, but he's not a $3 million player. And that's where I think the stars have gone wrong. So, as tough as it may be, just lift that restricted tag and let Gurionov go. And to me, bring in a couple of wily vets that make a million each and put those guys on the fourth line. And I think you'll have more success as far as depth, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Goodness gracious, look what Corey Perry's doing for the Lightning right now. I knew you, I knew you were going <laughs> you knew there. it was coming. But wait, but but now that's my point. And even if it's a a, a maroon, okay, yeah. and maroon is maroon is riding shotgun, right? I mean, he's in the right place at the right time. He understands his role. Good, good for him. And he could be the you know the first guy in a, in a very short list that's won four Stanley Cups in a row, and he's with the right team, right? So Corey Perry, I, I get all that. Joe Thornton, uh, Jason Spezza, but is this team ready to win a Stanley Cup? And that's why I go back to the young players. Why do you want to bring in a Corey? I know Corey's been here. I wish he didn't ever left. But we had a little bit older group there, and they were a little bit closer. So that's my point, is if you start bringing in 36-year-olds, then you might as well keep Radulov, which we know Rads isn't going to be here, and that's sad for me because I love the guy. And, and yeah, maybe he lost a little bit, but I think he, he got a little bit torn away from him too. 
because for whatever reason, he, he, I don't think he felt, you know, and again, he gave everything that he had while he was here. I'm, I'm talking like he's already gone. He's not, but, but I think when he started coming out of the lineup and then missing big stretches of games, but he would come back in and you really didn't see a different guy. The, the attitude was there. The want was there. The try was there, you know, and you got a 36 year old guy. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the way that I would go start, but I don't think you're there yet. You're not adding that, that particular piece, that feel good. Let's do it for, for Johnny guy that you're bringing in because he's been in the league for 17 years. Right. And, but I get what you're saying, but I think there, I mean, again, but you do have the situation with Tyler and Jamie, and I don't mean it as a bad situation. I'm just saying of a contract situation. So it's a numbers thing, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a dollars thing. And you got those guys and that are eating up that. And again, they, they, they were, they're, they're good players. I mean, but they're not elite players like some of these other guys, you know, like a Braden point and, you know, and I don't know if, is that Barry Trotz? Uh, Barry Trotz to me, absolutely. I can, I will tell you this right now, within 20 minutes of knowing that he was uh, stepping away from the New York Islanders, I sent a message to the organization. Just, I'll just say somebody in the organization. I like that. You just put at organization and sent it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm just saying like, because I, and I don't, I've never met the man, but I know how he coaches i believe that he has a philosophy and i don't know why i have a feeling why he he stepped away from the islanders um i know he liked that team that he was coaching he did an incredible job turning that team around from a team that gave up the most goals uh in in the in the season prior to him coming to the to the team that gave up the least amount of goals uh he actually did something with matt barzell their young superstar um similar to like a mike madonna as far as you know putting up numbers and points Mm -hmm. and turned in him into a two-way player very similar to what ken hitchcock did uh and bob gainey did with mike madonna um so there's a lot of things that very but but lou went out and uh the general manager, Lou went out and, and signed a bunch of older players, guys that were there and re-upped them for a year or two, which surprised a lot of people and surprised me. And I do have friends in that organization. And I sent, I said, listen, your team is going to get old really quick. And, and it's not fair to even take this year up. They, they had a shitty schedule, the COVID, everything that happened to them this year. They were, they were out of the playoffs in December. So still were eight other teams in that on the, in the East. But anyway, I would look at Barry Trump. I, I think Barry, you know, he, he's on the, he's on the parade route right now and he's interviewing with teams, but I believe that he could land in Winnipeg. I mean, that's where he's from. And I also have heard that, you know, he, I think he's kind of looking for, you know, yes, to be a coach, but to be able to have something in his contract to be able to stay in the game, transition to management or something like that. So you know, and, and good on him. I mean, he's he's earned whatever he can get. Yeah. But um, and that would be so, a good team to take over. That team. So is... the thing is, where are you at in your coaching? That for yeah. me, I'm telling you, I don't know what the right decision is. Like, who do you go out? You go out and get a guy that's been a coach for three, four, five years in the league. I believe that that coach, whoever it's going to be, has to be able to deal with this 
this generational player. It can't be a guy in his 60s that's been in the league forever. They've got to be able to deal with the new player, the new the new mentality that they have, the way that they play, how they like to be treated, which is totally different than us. And they are they are the best players in the game right now, but you still have to be able to relate with them. Yeah. You're listening to Spits and Suds, a postseason edition on 105.3 The Fan. I'm Gavin Spittle, joined as always by two-time Stanley Cup champion Craig Ludwig. So the name Gronberg surfaces in these coaching circles and Swedish national team coach, a lot of success overseas. But I wanted to ask you as a player, have you played on international ice and how much of a difference between, and he has coached in um, North America before um, and the juniors, but the transition from a coach from international play to North American style. Yeah, well, I played on what they call the big ice. And I'm sitting here looking out my window at Lake Louisville. Yep. I felt like I was playing on Lake Louisville. Really? Oh, it, it for I mean, for again, I'm talking now you can, you're going to talk to the elite players and they love it because they can skate and there's more room and all this other stuff. But for guys like me that I needed a, a rope tied to me to my net so I wouldn't drift too far away from it because I'd never be able to recover back by the time <laughs> things happen at the net. You needed you probably played awesome at the old Boston Garden small <laughs> ice. Where? Boston Garden. Oh no, that was a little bandbox. Yeah, I love you, you probably love I love Chicago. I love Quebec. I mean all the little buildings. I didn't have to travel very far in order to run into somebody. That's what <laughs> I'm saying is today I mean, even even today, like, you know, I'm with our players and they're, they're skilled, good 17, 18-year-old kids. And, you know, when we play in, in games and, you know, we, we compete with them and things like that, I don't drift far away from my net because I know where they eventually have to come to. They got to, if they want to do what they want to do, they're gonna, I'm going to meet them right back here about 10 feet in front of the goalie. I'm not going out that far, even on a normal size rink. I'm saying that there's a, you talk about a European coach and I don't know the guy you're talking about. I've heard his name, things like that. And, and maybe that's Jim Neal's style. I mean, that that might be, you know, what they believe in. And, and if that's what it is, you know, again, everything is going towards skill. I think I, I think of European players and things like that. You know, skill is first. And they are they are unbelievable at it. I don't know if that wins in the playoffs. But the one thing I will tell you that they always talk about the European players that are drafted that come over. It takes them a year or two to get accustomed to the NHL size rinks. Well, why wouldn't it? Because, you know, it, it's just smaller, a little, you know, tighter and things, things happen quicker here. They don't have as much time and space from a coaching standpoint. Does that have anything to do with the way that you design plays and, you know, your system and things like that, because the rink is smaller. I have no idea. I've never had a European coach. Don't, don't know how they think to me that they're really super skilled, smart guys. Um, does that translate? Uh, does is it a, is there a time period of a coach trans? You know the transition to to the smaller buildings in North America. I have no clue. So who was the coach that was in Buffalo? He was in Edmonton as the head guy. Let him go. Then he went to Buffalo, and then he's running the World Soccer League. Who was that guy? Edmonton Buffalo. Yeah, he 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 was in Buffalo for a while, and they let him go there. First, he was in Edmonton. He was an assistant. Then they, then he became the head guy and then he went over and ran the world soccer league or something like that over in Europe somewhere. Then he came back to Buffalo was there for a year or two. And then they let him go. I don't know. You get on your Google machine, you'll figure it out. But anyway, you know, and everybody has great things to say about him, 
but never really succeeded. Now that really does, that's not a reflection on him because at the time he was in Buffalo, not a real good team. At the time he was in uh, Edmonton, I don't believe Connor McDavid was there yet. It was, it was the guy that took over right after Craig McTavish. Um, I think he was an assistant at the time, but anyway, um, so I, I don't know. Are you talking about Dan Bilesma? No, 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 no. No, because he's American. Ralph Kruger? No. Ralph Kruger. There you go. Ralph Kruger. Um, you know, so I don't know where he's from. I don't know the relationship that he had because he was back and forth to Europe. But anyway, um, you know, so I'm not saying that that should be any indicator in any European coaches coming here. I, it, You know what? This, whoever his name is, he can come here and do an unbelievable job. But I, I don't even know it's, it's so much about the coach right now unless you're bringing that guy in to help develop some of these young players. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me, but that means you're in that you're, I go back to where is this team? You know, where are they? What if, if two other teams wouldn't have lost, you know, coming down the stretch and things that were happening from yeah, a standing standpoint, the would they have been in the playoffs? No, this they year? backed into the playoff. Okay. So is this, is, are they more like the team that went to the finals a couple of years ago, or are they more like the team this year that backed into the playoffs? This year. Are we, what's that? I mean, I, I'm just, my personal opinion, I think the Stanley Cup was an amazing run. I don't think it was, I think it was an amazing run. And teams have hoisted the cup for runs. I just think it was an anomaly. I just, uh, it, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, 100%. so I mean, I think I think what we saw the last two years is more like the Dallas Stars. We we sat here before the season, Craig, and we were talking, and we both agreed that this was a borderline playoff slip into the wild card team. Um, so, you know, we kind of knew it going in, and that's where they ended up. And uh, I, I think, you know, kudos to them for taking Calgary to seven. But I think Calgary was, I thought, clearly the better team, and showed that as the series, you know, moved on. Um, and that's what I'm talking about as far as, uh, you know, consistency. Well, and there's a, there's a lot of teams. Nashville comes to mind. Now, I know Nashville made it to the, to the finals a year or two ago. I don't remember when it was. But there's a lot of teams that Minnesota. How many years has Minnesota been in the mushy middle? Yep. You know what I mean? They get to the playoffs eight, nine, ten years in a row, and then they're out in the first round yeah. or the second round. This is a league where – you either have to be really good or be really bad. And when you're really bad is when you get the higher draft picks. Yeah. And that's how they become the Edmonton Oilers now. Dreisaitl, McDavid, you know, look look at the teams that have these up-and-coming superstars now. And it wasn't a long time ago they weren't in the middle. They were, they were bad. And then they saw a step here and there. And so my point is, again, back to the coaches, who is this team? Do we want to bring a team or coach in that's going to develop us so that in three, four years from now, we have we gone backward a couple of years? And now it's going to take us three, four years before we're a real contender. Now you do. Uh, now, again, everybody's going to say that Jake Ottinger is the guy. Well, let's not, you know, let's not jump off that bridge just yet. Does it look like it? Yes. 100% Jake Ottinger it could probably, if, if there was betting going on, well, not right now because Evander Kane might win it, but he could be a <laughs> contender for the con spicery and the, from the first round, you know, for the, for the best playoff performer. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, let's, let's let Jake get a year or two under his belt here and going into next year, we all expect Jake to be the same guy 
that he wasn't in, in, in the first round of the playoffs. Right. I mean, but and, again, and we saw the struggles of Bennington and then he came alive exactly. in the playoffs before the injury. Yeah. So, so again, that's what I'm saying is, who, are, do you have those pieces here? Do you have yeah. the goaltender, the defenseman and, and a couple centermen right now? I, I don't know if you can say that, that are Stanley cup contender in those positions. Is there a Bergeron here at center? No, you know, so I I don't know, you know, and, and you know I, I think of things like that, and Rupe hints just on Rupe and, and Robertson. We know they're going to be they they already are they're they're stars, and, yeah. and I, we expect them to continue to do what they're going to do. But the, uh, the all right, so would, I'll ask you this though: like stars or superstars? And the reason I say superstars. that is because yeah. when I look at t- like Carolina, Sebastian Ajo, amazing. Um, yeah. You know, I can look at these teams and go and I say, wow, that player. And then I look at the stars and I'm like, you know, Pavelski's really, really good. And he's been good for a long time. To me, that's the that's the guy you can look at. But then you obviously the next thing is, but he's this age. Well, Jason Robertson has has consistently been able to score. Yes. You know, I mean, I believe that he's going to continue to, to put up between 30 and 40, 45 goals a year. I I, I don't think that there's, but he has to play with the right people, right? Joe Pavelski is not going to be around for the next five years, probably, but who knows? (laughs) Um, Rupe hints, speed. I mean, exciting. My thing with Rupe, he has a tendency to miss games. Yep. And that doesn't, you know, I'm not saying that they're not legitimate injuries, but if they're injuries, you know, and again, I, and it, I didn't like the comment. I'm bouncing around here too, but I did not like the comment in that last game where Rupe Hintz did not play the game. And the comment was not from Rupe. The comment was from the head coach that he was a player up until warmups were over. Hmm. And the comment was, he pulled himself. I don't like those words. And it's almost like saying, well, it's not, it wasn't my decision. I mean, he just decided he didn't want to play. You're almost, it's almost like pointing your finger. Well, he just didn't want to play. I would just say he wasn't able to go. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the words. He took himself out of the lineup. I, I hate it. I, when I heard it, I replayed it and I went, I don't like that. I don't like the words. And I don't think there was any intent there, but it almost is like the, the player pulled the shoot. Yeah, and that was not that was a negative term when we played. You pulled the shoot, and and so, um, but but what I guess what I'm getting at is in how many years has he played? Rupe's been in the league for what four years now? Three or four years? Uh, He was the same year as Ottinger. So, and Hayskin. I don't know. You know, he's played quickly. Two hundred and thirty, two hundred thirty-five games. And if you played four years, uh, we had one shortened year in there. So you're somewhere around 300, 300 and, 300 and some games. I think we played, what, 56 games one year? Was that two years ago? We only played 56 games. And not so, to interrupt, so but I mean, that, that, that's a good parking, con- He's played somewhere between 75 and 80% of the games. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. That's not, a, that's not a bad number. I mean, over, over 15 years, that's probably a really good number. But I agree with you. It scares me to sign him to a six or seven year deal based on that history. I agree with you. And it's not just one thing. It, right. It's been an oblique. It's been an yeah. ankle, you know, again, but he's, he's a player that, 
that plays with no fear, too. So that may come with the territory. Right. Certain yeah. players have a history of injury. And you look at, you know, the Stars' most recent history with Martin Hansel and Alice Hemsky and guys that just could not get in the lineup on a consistent basis. And that is one thing. Yeah, well, let's, get... let's not talk about Martin Hansel. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that to me was a decision maker, made the wrong decision because he, this guy was broke more often than he was fixed. He had he one good year prior in his entire career. Yeah. He played about 60% of the games. Like, Agreed. And then he got what? 4 million a year or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't think know. Even more five. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, and then that, that was a head scratcher for yeah. me. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. All right. Back to the coaching candidates. I like Paul Maurice. I think he did a real nice job in Winnipeg. Um, I actually liked how he stepped away and said, you know, the players just aren't responding to me. And I think someone else needs to get in here. And I think in the back of his mind, he knew that if he wanted to go back to coaching, that he'd be a good, uh, he'd be a good candidate. And I like that Stanley Winnipeg Cup. system. Won a Stanley Cup, right? Yeah. Won a Stanley Cup. I think he was the youngest coach at the time that he started in his mid to late thirties. Um, if, if anybody wants to know who this guy is, just uh, YouTube or Google or whatever the hell it is and, and pull up a video of any of his press conferences. Absolutely incredible. The th- the way he talks, the way he says his demeanor behind the bench, um, you know, never, he doesn't beat around the bush. He treats players, I believe, where they all have something good when they're done playing for him, uh, what to say. Um, I, I, to me, I don't think you could go wrong with a guy like that. Um, and did he step away just because he's smart or is it because they're not listening or is it a combination of both knowing that, you know what, uh, we're not, this team is not listening to me, but we're not, we're heading down a path here that probably isn't going to have the results that I would like to have. I've got a guy that's been an assistant coach for me for, you know, a while now, a former player, Craig Lowry, and he can step in. Now that poor guy's again, went from an assistant coach to a head coach, took over the job, and he's probably not going to be, he's probably going to be looking for a job this year, especially if Barry Trotz is, <laughs> is, is up for the job. You know, so another situation where an assistant agrees to take over a head job and, and then he gets punted as soon as it, it doesn't happen. So um, anyway, I, I just, I just think it's so important to, to be able to define the team that you have. Okay. Now you have to go is, is Barry Trotz the right guy to have a team that's going to be three, four, five years away from competing for a Stanley cup. You know, is his window good? Is Barry Trotz plan on coaching that long? Or should it be, again, I'll just go back to Monty. Should it be a Montgomery where he's a young guy he, he understands how to work and develop with, with kids. And there's other players out there too, or other coaches that can do the same thing. You know, that are younger guys um, that can build and grow with this team. And then in two, three years, when Robertson and Hintz and P.B. Ranta and Peterson and, and Harley and all these players are going to be three, four years down the road and they're ready for the general manager to come in and plug in to you know another big time defenseman another centerman and plug somebody in there go now we're a true contender and that guy grew with the team and and taking them the direction that he believes and and things like that now we're ready and 
you know, so is that the same as bringing in a Paul Maurice or a, right. uh, a Barry Trotz? And are those guys going to want to, do they want to go through that process? First off, do they want to go and say, does Barry, doesn't Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz could go into to Vegas for God's sakes. Yes. Uh, Vegas is probably closer to winning a Stanley cup than he could go into Florida. Is the guy in Florida who's probably going to win the, the Jack Adams for, for coach of the year. Well, I don't know if he's going to win it, but, but he's going to be a candidate, I think. Well, that probably already came out. Was he was he a Jack Adams? Brunei? I he was. I'll, ch- I'll check out. And by yeah, the way, so while that we're talking, guy, just because he went, he went, he went oh and four in the playoffs, he might not have a job next year. Which that Jack Adams is kind of a curse. Most coaches that get that, they're fired within the next two years. So I would decline if somebody called me. Well, I'm not going to have to worry <laughs> about that. But, but I'm just saying, you know. If Brunei could be, I mean, would, would Barry Trotz want to go into Florida? If 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 I'm the general manager, yeah, I would. I'm calling Barry Trotz. Yeah, Daryl Sutter, uh, Brunette, Brunei, and uh, Gerard Gallant. There you go. And, and by and the way, Gerard, for, Gerard, for clarification, Gerard, because this is really weird, because everyone did think Paul Maurice won a Stanley Cup. He was actually let go. Peter Lavio let. Oh, Lavi came in there. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, but there everyone, you go. I mean, everyone thinks, and including myself, that I mean, everyone kind of credits Maurice as building up that team. Right. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be. It really is going to be fascinating. I mean, this is a critical off season for the Dallas Stars in in so many ways, uh, and coaching's just a, a little bit now. Craig, at this point, will say, here he goes, Gavin pulling one out, but I've said this name before, Pascal Vincent, the assistant coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, highly respected in NHL circles, and coached the Manitoba Moose, was AHL coach of the year, was under Paul Maurice in Winnipeg. The, I like the style. I, he's, a, he's a younger guy that's relatable to minor league players. That's my guy. I, I, I'm okay with that. That's why I'm saying I believe – if I and again, you you have to be in there every day and know these guys, and, and I'm nowhere near to be able to say that. So, but I I just look at the makeup of the team, and and I totally agree. It, I was surprised how they made it to the finals a couple of years ago. I yeah. was, and things just fell. And that's what happens. I mean, that's how teams. I mean, a lot of things have to fall in line for you, you know, as you're moving along. But at the end of the day, you know, the one thing about Tampa. Yes, they've got they've got it, but what does Tampa have? Is they have the goalie, you know, and maybe Dallas has got the goalie. Right. We're all hoping that they have the Vasilevsky in in two three years from now. Yeah. And maybe it's next year. I don't know. I'm just saying is hopefully what we saw against Calgary is that it it went off the the bell went off. There is the true Jake. That's who they've been looking for. That's why they were going through the Bishop process and the you know, the, the Dobie process. And, you know, so they went down that road and it was all leading to this Jake Ottinger kid is going to be the guy. And maybe we saw the guy now, how do you build? And what you do is you start from the net and you go from the net out. So I would have to say Miro Haskinen, I will tell you this. And you know that I was not, I, I felt that there was more from Miro and there were times near the end, I thought it was going backwards, but then again, he did have mono and all this other stuff, but what we saw in the playoffs, that's Miro Haskin. Yep, That's what you expect. And, and, and now what he's done, just like Ottinger, he has set his bar for the start of next season and going, this is what you can do, dude. And you have to be this player 
night in and night out because I thought he was incredible. Every time he had the puck on his stick, he made things happen out there and they really didn't have an answer for him. And, you know, and again, unfortunately, you know, Miro only had a couple guys that he could get the puck to that could translate it to a goal and that being Robertson or Hans or, or, or Joe. Right. Pavelski. You know, that's just where these guys are. That's not taking anything away from guys like Lindenning and Raffle because I thought they were, they, those were great moves by, by Jim Nill. They were because Raffle was great. Glenn Denning until he got his bell rung and, you know, and landed like a tripod on the ice there after running into Zadorov. Um, he was great. Uh, you know, and those are the kind of players you need. Yes. It's always going to be about those, you know, the superstars and your high end talent, but you know, you're going to win it because of them, but you don't win it without the Raffles and the Glenn Dennings and guys like that. I would say Foxa, but I know you got a, a, a thing for Foxa. So I'll just leave him out. I don't know. That's fine. I like Foxa at, Except one, as a, but not a player at $3 million. And, and you don't, I mean, is that bad, Craig? I mean, I look at the cap all the time and I just say, okay, is this person, like, but I mean, cause I think that's the way you have to look at it in some aspects. But like, you have to, but you also, how many years did he, how long ago did he sign that contract and how many years was it for? It's five years. It's got a modified no trade on it. And is he what, three years into that deal? Uh, no, I think he's got, I'm pulling it up right now. We should have some on hold music. Cause I, I was just going to say, don't, don't you have some fan music, like a fan or something like that blowing at this time that would kind of subliminally tell you that the, the <laughs> station that you work at or, or run or whatever the hell you got them fooled at. <laughs> it's not fooled. Okay. Well, he's, he's signed through 24, 25. Okay, so my point was, at the time when Foxa was a younger player and that 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 centerman that was playing against top lines, which he still is, it probably was a good deal in a lot of people's minds going, you know what, we got a young guy here, we could get him locked up at between two and a half and three million a year for the next five years, and we expect him to just continue to keep growing. Now, maybe he's not growing at the rate that you wanted him to. Uh, or becoming the player that that you thought, but again, he, he's not he's not a number one center. He's making what a third of what Jamie Ben is making, or Ty, I guess Tyler Sagan. He's making a third of what Tyler Sagan's making. Um, so uh, again, I'm the guy that thinks of a third line center is really the second line center. I think that you've got your first center that that's the that's the point guy. You know, he's the guy that that's running and, and manufacturing points, and he's driving that bus. And the second line centerman or third line, but my second line guy is what goes out against the top line of another team. He's right. the next important or as important, but in a different way. And then you're, you're what you call a second line center is your complementary center to the scoring side of things. So I believe that he is important. So I'll use Guy Carbono, you know, so Carbo, Carbo, you know, Carbo was always the Carbo and Beaker and, and Reader, those guys, that's your third line. Well, bullshit. That's our, that's our, our one B. You know, Madonna's line, you know, we were fortunate enough to have Madonna and Neuendijk with two different lines. So maybe you look at it that way. But, you know, so I think Mo would would have been the top line guy. I don't know how you could pick between Madonna and Neuendijk at the time. But but really, Carbo was, Carbo was just as important as a top line uh, offensive line because Carbo would go out and they would shut down the offensive line for the other team. And the style that we played, that was just as important, sometimes more important. Yeah. 
Well, and maybe gonna, that's what they were looking at Fox of being. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. And I mean, just I'm letting you know at the time, I was like, I don't like this signing. Um, you know, I see Anthony Duclair at $3 million putting up a lot of points. And it's, I know it's more than points and I know it's defensive, but I just don't look at him as a top NHL defensive center. I, I, I look at him as a good player. And I think good- I, I agree with that. I agree with you because I don't, I don't look at there, there's other. You know, there's other forwards out there, other centermen out there that you know when they come out on the ice. And what I would say is when you have a true top-line defensive centerman, that that's that's their established role. That's what they do. That's what they're good at. And you know when you're respected at that is when the coach and you're the visitor and I'm playing in Dallas and the Fox line comes out, I put my top line out there and I'm telling him to change right away. Then I know you're playing against what is considered a top-line defensive centerman or line because yeah. they're trying to get their line away from him. Yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of maneuvering going on. Or, you know, or they wait and they're playing at that team is playing at home. Let's just say, for instance, it's it's the cut you're playing the abs and and McKinnon's line comes out. And um or I'm sorry, Fox's line comes out and Bednar has last change in Colorado and he throws out the McKinnon line. That to me is not a top line centerman. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. not, I'm not afraid of that. Yeah. We're not, I don't know if they're, <laughs> I don't know if they're, he's afraid of anybody with McKinnon against him. But anyway, right. you get my drift. No, I, I do. I do. And I think so, you know, I personally would love and, you saw it a couple times, but a lot of times they started with that line to start the game. And I know they were trying to provide energy and everything, but I always like the teams like, here's my best players. I'm throwing them out there. And I know it has to do with matchups and everything like that. But if you have the opportunity, get that line out there and just create something. But Yeah, well, there, I think they're, again, they, they do so much scouting. They, yeah. When you're at home, there's a reason they're starting a line that they're starting. You know, it, it could be just that that line starting. I'm not going to start the the Pavelski line because I want to keep them again I want to keep them away from that line it doesn't mean that you know maybe this is the second best line to start out there that we don't get scored against early so we may want we want Hintz's line uh, against McKinnon's line we may want to go strength on strength or against Goudreau you know that was my my question what's going to happen when Dallas got back home when they were playing Calgary what were you going to do? Were you going to put Pavelski and Robertson and those guys against the Goodrow line, or were you going to and go strength on strength, or did you want to keep them away from them? And then I think at the end of the day, it kind of resulted and they kept them away from them. Um, regardless of what it was, they, I mean, in all things, going back to that, that first series with the stars and the flame, they did a really good job against a line in, you know, the Goudreau line where when you look at what they did in the regular season, two guys had 40 plus goals. All three of the guys on line on that line were all over a plus minus of of a plus 60. That's a dominant line throughout the course of the season. And all being said, they did a hell of a job. Whoever played against them, they did a hell of a job playing against them. And then people will say, yeah, but look who scored that, (laughs) that overtime goal that sent them all to the golf course. Um, (laughs) So, well, this has been a fun year, man. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, this is my way to hang out with you. And you agreed to dinner with me. So we're going to go to dinner and we're going to have a blast. 
you know, I, I think if people actually listen to this, they'll, they won't find a spot in here where I agreed to dinner with you. I think you agreed. I think you agreed deep down maybe inside. We'll do maybe we'll do it like we do this thing. We can do it virtually. <laughs> we'll each sit on Zooms with our yeah. dinner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. You can have your one drink for an hour and I'll have my 12. <laughs> well, you might not say it back, but... When the Stars hire a head coach or free agent signings, maybe we'll pop back on and everything like that. So enjoy the rest of the the hockey that's left. And, Craig, thank you. I will say it. Thank you very much. Um, It's been a blast. All right. Well, for me, it's been a beating, and it's been awesome. (laughs) No. (laughs) You've been listening to Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great day, everybody.